0: This morning, Proverbs chapter number four, Proverbs chapter number four, we had a little extra music this morning, uh, so understand, if I go past 12, it's not my fault, okay? Let's go ahead and get that settled uh, to think that I go long. I've, I was already attacked last week on social media, uh, Brother Micah taking shots at me on Facebook uh, for saying I was going to preach short and Facebook flagged that as false news, But uh, just understand, I have a good reason about that this morning. But Miss April Sanders said that I could preach as long as I wanted on her post that is there, and so I don't plan on keeping you any longer than need be. But uh, enjoy the extra music this morning. You know, we don't complain when a ball game goes extra innings, do we? Uh, We find that exciting. Uh, We go to a concert, we love when we have an encore, and uh, so if our service goes just a little bit later than normal this morning, it's because we had a little extra music, and I'm glad to have them here. I was a little disappointed. To be honest with you, to hear that we're their first church Uh, Because when you start off with central, it's only downhill from here You know, I feel bad for them, it's just going to get downhill from here But I'm thankful they were able to be with us this morning I am going to expedite our reading because this morning uh, we only have one verse I want to read for you, Proverbs chapter number 4 if you would Look down to verse number 26 Proverbs chapter number 4, look down to verse 26 I'm going to read this one verse and we're going to pray and jump right in If we could, the Bible says simply ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Oh, what a simple verse this morning. There's a wonderful life-changing truth that I want us to see. And let's pray and ask God to give us help in the preaching and receiving of it. Father, thank you for the privilege to come. Lord, thank you for the privilege to sing today. And Lord, to hear good singing, Lord, about you and who you are, what you've done for us and what you mean to us. Father, thank you for giving us a reason to sing because we're saved and heaven's our home. And I pray there's one here today who doesn't know that for sure, that, Lord, they'll come to know you today that, Lord, they'll get their song. Lord, find something to sing about in a world where it seems like there's just so much to complain about. Thank you for your word today. Help us preach what you sent the way you'd have us to preach it. And, Lord, help us keep our attention, Lord, throughout the message that we might receive it and respond to it. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking, I was driving back from Louisiana last night, took my wife to see her family. She hasn't got to see them a lot uh, in the tumultuous years we've had. And so I took her up to see them this weekend. And thinking as I drove back about one thing that's jumped out to me in what is just about a post-COVID America. I know we still have a lot going on with COVID, but I hope by the grace of God we're living in a post-COVID America and hopefully getting back to normal for too terribly long. But one of the things I have noticed in a post-COVID America Uh, is really the influx and how the market has been inundated with so many self-help books on how to change your life. Now, uh, the last two years we've gone through, everybody is seeking a change in their life. They want things to be different. They've been cooped up inside with their spouses, and that's just not a good thing, right, Uh, to be cooped up at home. Uh, Maybe some of you, even with your children, uh, and, and that's even worse, right? And everybody's looking for a change in their life. And so I went on the library, of Congress's uh, uh, list there, and I did a title search on how many books have the word change and life in their title, and it was amazing, the number 343,329 books whose title includes the word change and life. Over 343,000 books whose title includes the words change or life. Now, why is that? Why are there so many books out there about how to help us change our life or have a changed life? Uh, Simply put, it's because we're fickle. We as humans are fickle people. We're always seeking some sort of experience to change our life to illustrate that. Uh, Not long before I moved here from Louisiana, they opened up a new chicken restaurant. Uh, And because I'm a good Baptist preacher, I had to check it out. Uh, And I went to check out this place called Slim Chickens uh, Chicken Uh, in Louisiana. I have their logo. I'm going to show you right quick. And I want you to notice what their their logo is. Slim Chickens, it's the home of life-changing chicken. Uh, and I thought, look, as a preacher, I need to go there to begin with, but they claim that they even have life-changing chicken. Uh, we've got books out there. We've got videos out there. We've got podcasts out there, and evidently we have chicken that will help you change your life. Why? Because all of us are constantly looking for some sort of experience to change our life. I heard a story once about Mark Twain speaking to a wealthy Massachusetts businessman, uh, and that businessman knew he needed a change in his life. His life was stale and stagnant, and he knew he needed some kind of a change to come in his life, and so he decided, he told Mark Twain, he what I need is, I'm going to the Holy Land. And I'm going to go to the Holy Land and have a life-changing experience. And he said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go to Mount Sinai. I'm going to climb to the top of Mount Sinai, and I'm going to read the Ten Commandments out loud on the top of Mount Sinai, and hopefully that's going to bring about a life-changing experience. Well, if you know much about Mark Twain, he was somewhat of a cynical guy. He says to him, instead of going to Mount Sinai and reading them, I think you would be better off staying in Boston and living them. If you want to have a life-changing experience, and I believe that's true, the truth I want to share with you this morning is a changed life isn't about an experience. You're not going to find it in one of the 343,000 books in the Library of Congress, and as unfortunate as I hate to say this, you're not going to find it at Slim Chicken's Chicken Place either. A life-changing experience is truly more about acceptance. The Bible tells us, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, notice that. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. What does that mean? It means there's a life-changing experience after you have a life-changing acceptance. Oftentimes, we're seeking the experience, and the life-changing experience does come because you finish out that verse. The Bible says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the experience, all right? There is a life-changing experience, but the life-changing experience comes as a result of a life-changing acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I'm seeking a change in my life. I've been busy the last couple of months, the last couple of years, really. And I told my wife, I said, we're going to get away for a few days and I'm going to get along with God and and, and draw closer to God. Why? Because the only life-changing experience you'll have uh, is through Christ. And this morning, I believe we're overlooking the one way we can have that, and it's through Him and walking closer to Him. Now, this morning, we're going to see something in verse number 25 or verse number 26 that truly can help us have a life-changing experience. I want you to understand something. God's not going to invade your will. If you want to have a life-changing experience, it begins with you accepting what God says will bring about that change of life that only he can give. You see, oftentimes we're waiting on a life to be changed or our life to be changed, but our life is only going to be changed when we choose to accept what God says will change our life. In verse number 26, I believe there's three things, three choices you're going to have to make to have a changed life. And this morning we're going to look at that very simple thought, three choices of a changed life, and let's jump right into it if we could. The Bible says in verse number 26, notice the first word, the first step is actually in the first word. If you want to change life, it begins with that first word. The Bible says, ponder, ponder. What is he telling us here? He says if we want to change life, it begins with us giving some thought to the life that we already have. We need to ponder it. Now, I know we live in an age of technology where we're so used to using our cell phones and emojis. Somebody said something interesting the other day, and I loved it. It says, you know, back in the Egyptian days, they spoke with hieroglyphics, uh, which were pictures, and yet we have evolved so far as a society, we've actually gone back to talking with pictures again. If I were to explain what the word ponder means to you this morning in an emoji, it would look something like this. We probably all speak in emojis, and there's an emoji that I use sometimes when my wife will send me uh, a question. Do we have that back there, guys? I think we have it. There it is. I think we've all used that emoji before. Uh, if you had to explain what does ponder mean or give something, my wife will say, Honey, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? Oftentimes, if I don't want to tell her no, uh, I will use that one. Hmm. Let me think on that. When I was a youth pastor and, and my kids would ask me, hey, Brother Jeremiah, can we go to Six Flags? Hey, can we do this for a youth activity? I would say, hmm, let me think about that. That was a nice way to say no. I know us as parents, oftentimes our kids will say, hey, can we do this? We'll say, maybe. Maybe is just a nice way of saying no, isn't it? All right, ponder. So here's what God is saying. God is saying, listen, I want you to ponder something. I want you to give some thought to something. Now, why is that important? Well, obtaining the life that you don't have begins with you pondering or considering the life you do have, all right? There's a life that we all desire to have. We want to be closer with God. Listen, if you're lost, you want to be saved. We want a change of life, and we want God to change our life, but the changing of the life we do have begins with pondering about it. So the first step is this. If you want to change life, you must be willing, number one, to analyze your life. All right, number one, be willing to analyze your life. Something good, listen, a good idea to have is to ponder your life before you proceed with your life. All right? I think it's important that every one of us, from time to time, stop and ponder our life. Give it some thought before you proceed with your life. I remember the story of the old woodsman who was giving the instruction to a young city boy on how to catch a porcupine. He says this watch for the slapping tail as you dash in and drop a large wash tub on top of him. The wash tub will give you something to sit on while you ponder your next move. Catching a porcupine is a prickly thing, is it? I've never seen one out in the wild. I've gone out west here in a few weeks. I hope to see one. I've never seen one, but catching one would be a difficult task. And he says, throw the washtub on top of it, and that will give you something to sit on while you ponder your next move. Trying to catch a porcupine is something you better think on real hard. But even more than that, God is telling us our life is something that needs to be pondered. There's a lot of things in life that are okay to figure out as you go. Think about it, cooking. Uh, I've seen my mom do it many times, seen my wife do it many times, seen my great-grandmother do it many times. As they're cooking, we'll add a little bit of this, and we'll add a little bit of that, and a little dash of this, a little dash of that, and it's the best thing you ever ate in your life, and then you don't know how to make it again, do you? Because you're just adding a little bit of this. You can do that cooking. Look, uh, you can do that on what you're going to wear. You don't have to know what you're going to wear every day next week. Uh, You can figure that as you go. Uh, If you go out to eat on a town, you don't have to know where you're going to eat because your wife's just going to tell you it doesn't matter anyway. Even though it does, ladies, it does. It doesn't matter, but just not there. All right, just tell me where it does matter and we'll be all right. All right. Some things you can figure out as you go. But listen, your life is not something you can afford to just figure out as you go because at the end of this life, there's this thing called eternity. And you need to know where you're going before you get there because when you get there, it's too late to ponder about where you were headed because you're there and eternity is a long, long time. So notice what God's saying. God is saying here, ponder the path of thy feet or analyze your life. Now, I asked Brother Michael this yesterday. I had him on the phone. I said, is this an imperative sentence? He knows English, and I, he said, yes. I was, I was right. I remember Miss Stafford's English class from seventh grade. An imperative sentence is a sentence that is giving a command that has the subject of you. God is saying here, you, I'm commanding you to ponder your life, analyze your life. Now, he's not giving this this as advice. God's not saying, I want you to think about how you think you're doing. I'll tell you, if I was in charge of giving God a report on how I think I was doing, I would probably be like the church of Laodicea. What did they say? I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. If God says, I want you to tell me how you think we're doing, unfortunately, we're all going to give ourselves a high score. Why? Because we're partial to ourselves. God's not saying tell me how you think you're going because unfortunately we see things in our perspective and our perspective is slanted toward us. There's a story years ago of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. They were uh, investigating this old English manor where a crime had taken place. I don't know what had taken place, but a crime was taking place and they were staking out the manor out in the woods and they were sleeping in a tent. In the middle of the night, Sherlock wakes up and he, he shakes Watson and he says, Watson, look up. What do you see? Watson says, "Well, I see stars." Sherlock says, "Well, what does that mean to you?" He says, "Well, theologically it means there's a great almighty omnipotent God in heaven who created wonderful galaxies for us to explore." He says, "Meteorologically it means the skies are clear and there's no clouds, it's probably not going to rain." He says, "Okay, what does it mean to you?" He says, "Sherlock looks at him and says, "Well, what it means to me is I think someone stole our tent." Watson was viewing things from his perspective, and the way he saw it was it's a clear sky, there's a God in heaven, and it's probably not going to rain. And Sherlock says, You meathead. He says, A simple factor of the simple answer to this whole thing is somebody has stolen our tent. Can I tell you this morning, you don't see things the way God does? I don't see things the way God does. My perspective is different than God's perspective, and here's what's amazing here. God is giving us a perspective of how he sees things, and when God says to ponder our life, he's saying, I want you to see your life the way that I see your life, because if we judge ourselves by ourselves, and the Bible says that's not wise. Why? Because we're partial. I'm going to show you a picture that's very unflattering, but I believe it's very good for illustration. This morning, last week, we had a ribbon cutting for Kids Central. So excited about that. A lot of work went up there, and so thankful for all the help we had to get that done. And I posted a picture. There's the picture right there that I posted of the ribbon cutting. I was so excited about that. I got to cut the construction tape. The kids got to go up, and it's just a fun place for our kids to go up and hear about the Lord, and just so thankful for our church and all the investment they put in that. But I have to tell you something. That's not the original picture. That's an edited picture. Now I'm going to show you the original picture. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> let's go back to the last picture. Look at it one more time. And let's go to the original picture. Do you know what I did? I only put out there on social media what I wanted you to see. I was like about brother Price. Brother Price? You're supposed to cut that off in the pictures, like the baptistry pictures. Come on, don't take a picture of me down there. I told uh, Miss Pam this morning, I have a good outlook on my hair loss now. Uh, I just think the Lord's trying to lighten my load a little bit. Pastors have a heavy load, and he just lightened my load one hair at a time. But here's the deal. Isn't that how we live our life? We only put forward the perspective we want people to see. And when people look at our life on social media, they see the good things. We never post the bad things. We see the good things of what we want everybody else to see, but that's not the life that God sees. God sees the real picture. And when God says, I want you to ponder your life, God's not saying, I want you to look at your Facebook feed at all the good stuff you posted. He says, I want you to see your life the way that I see your life. Now, here's something wonderful. When you look up that word ponder. The meaning is amazing. I love word studies. Here's what it means to roll out flat and to weigh on a scale. To roll out flat. And weigh on a scale. Now, let me tell you why this is important. God is giving us all a glimpse of how he sees things. Now, it's important you learn to see things the way God sees them. Why? Because when you stand before God and are judged by God, you're going to be judged on how he sees things, not how we saw things. So he shows us in that one word ponder how he sees things. Watch this. He says, roll it out flat. You know what he's telling us? He says, roll it out and let's see the big picture. It's not just a two-second snippet that we post on Facebook that shows our life is all happy and sunshine and lollipops. No, he says, roll it out flat. Let's see the big picture. That's the way God views you in my life. God sees it all rolled out, not just the parts that we want everybody else to see. But then he says this, that word ponder means rolled out flat or weighed on a scale. God says, not only do I see the big picture, God says, I see it honestly. I see it evenly. Now, folks, understand this. If you want a change of life, it begins with you analyzing your life. Now, you not telling God how your life is, it's seeing your life the way that God sees your life. He's not telling us to ponder because he doesn't know. He's telling us to ponder because we need to know what he sees already. 1 Samuel 16, the Bible says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Could I challenge you on something this morning? Quit being envious of people's Facebook posts. Be careful looking, and it seems like everything's happy-go-lucky, and joy and everything's going great, and everything seems fine. Look, I can tell you, we're not all fine. We all have problems. We all have bad days. Uh, Oftentimes, I look at the selfies on my phone, and I can remember ever so clearly Just a few minutes before that selfie, my wife and I were about to go to blows. (laughs) Selfie time. I was talking to someone up in Louisiana. They told me the very same thing about them this week, and I was so guilty because I understand the feeling God doesn't look at our Facebook post and says, boy, you look like your life is doing pretty good. No, watch this. God sees the rolled out big picture, and God sees it evenly and honestly. And when God says, listen, if you want to change life, you need to consider or ponder the life you're living now and not just see it the way you want everybody else to see it. See it the way that I see it because God sees it honestly. God sees the big picture of our life, and oftentimes I fear That we believe what we post on Facebook. It's always smiles. I told somebody the other day, just for spite, because I have a I have a sin nature just like you do. One day I'm gonna post on Facebook. Had a bad day at church, nobody got saved. Folks are mad at me. Why? Because all my preacher buddies always post, they only post when somebody gets saved and things are good. We're always posting the good. But, folks, the truth of the matter is God sees the good, God sees the bad, God sees us as we are, and God says if you want to change life, you're going to have to be willing to see yourself the way that I see yourself. So, number one, you want to change life, be willing to analyze your life. Number two, verse 26 says, ponder what? It says, ponder the path of thy feet. So the first step in a change life, you need to see your life the way God does. If you really want to change life, have the spiritual courage To go before God, as David said, and search me, O God, and know my heart. Show me who I really am. Be careful not believing your own lie of what you put on social media. But what does God want us to ponder? Here's what's interesting. It says, ponder the path of thy feet. Look it up. The word path is a very interesting word. I want to show you the definition so you'll believe me this morning. I have a a cutout of it uh, when you look it up in the original Hebrew. The word path means this, to a track or rut in which a wheel revolves. I highlighted it. A track or rut in which the wheels revolve, the second definition is the way. Now, can I tell you something? God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to analyze your life. Look at your life and see your life the way I do. And the way God sees our life is through the big picture. And what is he looking at? He's looking at the track of our life. You see, not only does God see where we are, God sees where we've been. God sees where we're headed You see that's the importance of seeing the big picture The big picture doesn't just show Well things seem fine in my life right now My bank account is good My wife is happy with me My kids love me Everything seems fine But God sees the big picture Now watch closely When you're looking at something's tracks The tracks don't lie You know I I hunt I love to hunt When I get a chance to hunt uh, You go out there in the woods And you see those deer tracks You follow the tracks Why? Why? Because the tracks show you where the deer went. All right? And unless you've got some, some smart aleck out there with hoofs, hoofs, you know, and he's out there making a track to lead you away from where the deer, really are, the tracks always show where the deer's going. The tracks don't lie. Now, pay close attention. The Bible says, ponder the path of thy feet. Here's what God's saying analyze where you're headed. And God says, the tracks don't lie. You can lie on Facebook. You can lie to your neighbors. You can dress up and lie by the way you look. You can lie by the way you talk. But the tracks of your life do not lie. That's why, number two, if you truly desire a changed life, not only do you analyze your life, the second thing, you've got to acknowledge your life. You've got to acknowledge it. Now, folks, we may say, I'm doing okay, I'm doing fine, and everything's good in my life. Can I ask you a question? What do the tracks say? What do the tracks say? I'm a Christian, I walk with God, I'm faithful to God. All right, hey, that sounds great. What do the tracks say? Ponder the path of thy feet. It's amazing, our mouth says one thing, but our tracks say a whole different thing. And God says, if you want to change in your life, listen, quit believing the lie that you tell everybody else and acknowledge the fact that you're in a rut and going the wrong way. That's what he's saying. Ponder the path. Ponder the rut you're in. What was the definition? A track or rut in which a wheel revolves. Now, what are we after here? What are we after? We want to change life. I don't know about you. The last two years have been brutal, all right? You're saying, yeah, the last two years you've been here, it's been brutal, all right? All right, you can probably chalk some of it up to that. Man, we went through all of this mess and our world and this turmoil and this virus and all of that. Man, I want to be changed, Listen I, want to, listen, I want to get my wagon right back in the middle of the road. I want to get my wagon headed in the right direction. But watch this. You're never going to have a changed life if you don't acknowledge the life that you're living ain't right now. you got to be willing to acknowledge it. That's why he says, ponder the path of thy feet. I think about the woman at, at the well. I was on the way home last night. Think about people in the Bible who had a changed life. By the way, can I tell you, I don't know everybody that's here today. I don't know where you're from, what you've done, what you've been involved in. But my God's grace is sufficient to change your life. It'll change your life. Change my life. Oh, we have testimonies of people all throughout this building this morning whose life's been changed by the wonderful saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He can change your life. And I was thinking about all the people in the Bible who had great changes in their life. And the woman at the well always comes to mind. Oh, she had had a rough life. Man, you look back at her tracks. It was all over the place. And yet Jesus comes to her and begins to talk to her. He says, where's your husband? She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you've spoken correctly. Do you know what she did in that instant? She acknowledged her life. Do you know why she found a changed life? Because she acknowledged it. She says, oh, I want a changed life. I want this living water that I'll never thirst again. And oh, she got it. Her life was forever and eternally changed. Why? Why? Because she was honest enough to acknowledge it She didn't tell Jesus Oh we're, we're okay Me and my husband are like this We teach Sunday school at our church And man things are just going great No she acknowledged things are not where they should be And oh she went on to find a changed life But first she had to acknowledge it Prodigal son well, he had a changed life Man, that old boy went out there in the far country, wasted his substance on riotous living, the Bible says. And one day he's sitting there in the, in the mud in the mire in the muck of the hog trough. He says, How many of my father's hired servants have enough to eat and some? And I'm sitting here wanting to eat these husks in the mud. What did, he, what did he say? I will arise and go to my father. You know what he did at that moment there in the mud? He looked at his tracks. He says, I'm in a rut. I'm in a bad rut. And I'm in a bad rut that's led me a long way from home. And he says, I acknowledge that. He arose and he went to his father, and his father put on the robe and the ring, and he killed the fatted calf. What happened? He found a changed life. But first he had enough honesty to admit that he needed it. How many people have I tried to lead to Christ, and I can't save them? Oh, well, I wish I could. But I can't. You know why you You know why they won't get saved? They won't acknowledge they're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Well, would you call me a sinner? The Bible says, for all have sinned. The preacher has, the priest has, even our godly grandmothers have, for all have sinned. Nope, I haven't sinned before. And they go on living the same life rather than a changed life. Why? They won't acknowledge their life. Can I ask you something? What does the track say? I know what we say. I know what social media says. And we post all the pictures that are on there knowing sometimes behind the scenes our lives are dumpster fires. That's the truth. Sometimes folks look, I look at some of my pictures knowing just a few minutes before my wife's about to knock me out. But man, we know how to put it on, don't we? That's not a way to find change. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 you were led to the Lord through the Romans road. I'm sure you came down this way. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead Thou shalt be saved Now let's start at the end of that verse The Bible says thou shalt be saved Could we say that's a change of life? Yes it is Thou shalt be saved I love the fact that he doesn't leave any room for error there It doesn't say hope or might It says thou shalt be saved Each and every one of us here today Listen if you're lost you can be saved today you don't have to get on a waiting list. You can be saved today. Thou shalt be saved. That's the change of life. But where did the change of life come from? Well, let's keep reading. Let's back up on that verse. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Interesting word study. Do you know what the word confess means? Acknowledge. And agree. If thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus, acknowledge and agree. What do you acknowledge and agree? Look, I'm confessing, acknowledging, and agreeing with God that I'm a sinner. I'm confessing, acknowledging, agreeing, listen, that there's a price for sin, and it's eternity separated from God in a devil's hell. I acknowledge that. Why? Because the Word of God says that. I'm acknowledging that Jesus Christ paid my price. I confess, I agree, and I acknowledge he paid my price. And I acknowledge that if I trust him as my personal savior, that he'll come to my heart and save my soul, write my my name down the Lamb's book of life, and give me an eternal home in heaven. But wait a minute. Where did the changed life come from? Confession. What is confession? Agreeing with God. Acknowledging God. You can't be saved without acknowledging your sin. Why would you want to be saved from something you have yet to acknowledge? 1 John 1, 9, a verse that we all know well. Boy, if you've been saved five minutes, you've probably learned this one. The Bible tells us that God is willing that even after we get saved, I don't know about you, but even after we get saved, sometimes my wagon gets back into the old ruts. Does yours do that? Probably not, but mine does. Be going down the road of life and, man, trying to live for God, and, man, those old ruts are deep, aren't they? And your wheel just kind of slips off back into those ruts. Next thing you know, you're, you're being impatient to the people who go slow in the fast lane. You're getting mad about people who have more hair than you. Just hypothetical stuff here. You're being unkind to people. Next thing you know, you found your wagon has gone right down in those same old ruts again. And you want to get out of those ruts, and you're thinking, well, there's no way on earth God's going to help me get out of this rut because He saved me out of this rut. And there's no way now that as a Christian He's going to get me out again. I should know better. The Bible says, 1 John 1 9, that He'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? We have a loving, holy, merciful, gracious God. By the way, aren't you glad he makes those mercies new every day? Ooh, I'd run out quick. If, they, if he made them new every week, I'd go through my week's allowance worth of grace, uh, mercy in a day. The Bible says he makes them new every day. You read that verse, the Bible says that he'll cleanse us, he'll forgive us. But how do we do that? Well, the first part of 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sin." You want to get out of that rut, you, the wagon has slipped off back in that old rut of sin or that old rut of apathy or that old rut of, of contentment. The Bible says this, it begins with confession, acknowledging to God, I'm in that rut again. I told my wife this weekend, I had a busy, busy two weeks, a lot going on, kid central work and uh, get busy, you get home, uh, time to study and you fall asleep studying. You get busy, your prayer life gets a little bit thin. And I told my wife, went to see her mom and dad, and they have a big family breakfast on Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning uh, for, for decades. And uh, she got up and went on to breakfast, and I stayed back at the house, and me and the Lord just had a good long talk. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I've been tired, had a lot going on lately, and my prayer life hadn't been what it needs to be, and my studying hasn't been what it needs to be. And oh, it was so hard to confess before God that I would slipped off on that same old rut again. But you know what I found? I found that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Got back and my wife came back and she says, do you have a good morning? I, I said, I did. I said, but you had some good prayer time, me and the Lord talking together. And she did this exact thing as what she did. She goes, I can tell. I can tell. But you know what it began with? I had to swallow that jagged little pill called pride and acknowledge to God that my life was not what it needed to be. You say, oh, my soul, we have a preacher who's human. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I found that all of a sudden, that rut that I didn't want to be in, slowly the Lord began to lead my wagon out and got back up on that high road, walking with God. You know what I found? I found a change in my life just through a little time of acknowledging my life. One of my favorite places in the world to go is St. Augustine, Florida, named after St. Augustine. He said something one time that I've never forgotten and I agree with wholeheartedly that this is oftentimes how we believe. He prayed this prayer, God, make me good, just not yet. God, make me good, just not yet. We want to be right with God. We want to have a changed life, but boy, we're enjoying that rut that rut's a fun place, that far country's a fun place, but I'm going to assure you, it runs out, and you need grace, and you need mercy. We don't want God to change our life. We're enjoying it too much. That's why we will not acknowledge it. God, I'm not who I need to be. I'm not what I need to be, and that's why we refuse to acknowledge it. We don't want God to bring about the change in our life. There's a farmer one day rode his favorite mule, Bessie, to town. On his way to town, a large logging truck comes through, didn't see him in the road, and runs him over and his favorite mule, Bessie. It hit him so hard it knocked Bessie over in this ditch and it knocked the farmer over in this ditch and both of them were busted up and broken up really bad. Along comes a patrolman and the patrolman looks over the ditch and he sees that mule and that mule is broken every which way and he's not going to survive and he does the right thing. He pulls out his service revolver and dispatches the animal. The farmer's laying over in the ditch. He heard what just happened. He's laying there, and he's got one arm going this way and one arm going this way. And one arm, you know, he's just all broken up, and he's bruised and bloody. The patrolman walks over to the ditch, and he says, sir, how are you? He says, I'm fine. I'm fine. Do you know why he said that? Because he was afraid what the outcome was going to be. Man, I know what you did to my donkey over here. I'm afraid if I say, I'm fine. You know, his arm's all... And isn't that how we are with God. God looks at us over in the ditch of life. We got off in that same sinful rut again, and we're down there. And God says, "Hey, how you doing down there? I'm fine." And you know why we say we're fine? Because we know that God's going to bring out change in our life. We know that God's going to try to fix things and get us out of the rut, and we're enjoying the rut too much, so we don't acknowledge our sin. I love what Isaiah said. Woe is me. He says, "For I am." Stop right there. He said, woe is me for I am, a man of unclean lips in the land of an unclean people. But I just love the simplicity of what he says, I am. I'll promise you, you'd be on your way to a changed life this morning if you could just utter those two words before God. Everything that God knows about you and that God has analyzed in your life, you come before God and you confess and you say, I am. I'm everything you say and everything you already know. The Bible says, ponder the path of thy feet, number one. He wants us to analyze our life. Number two, he wants us to acknowledge our life. And can I share with you this real quick before I give you the last thing? You're not going to be the one. You say, what do you mean by that? Everybody thinks they're going to be the one that cheats the system, who gets in the rut, enjoys it, and gets out before trouble comes. You're not going to cheat God. The Bible says, be not deceived, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he what? Also reap, Galatians 6, 8, for he that soweth to his flesh shall, no maybe, of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. If we want to change life, we've got to acknowledge the life that we're living is the one that's not pleasing to God. You want to be saved, you've got to acknowledge that you're lost, you want to draw closer to God, you've got to realize and acknowledge, I'm not close to God. How many times have people come to an old-fashioned prayer altar and trusted Christ, meanwhile on the piano, the timeless hymn was being played, Just As I Am. I fear today the reason we don't have more changed lives is because we can't sing that song honestly. It's just as I post, just as I tell, just as I have other people believe. You're not going to have a changed life. Now look, you're only cheating yourself. We're only cheating our children. We don't come before an almighty God and say, just as I am. The verse says this, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who knows who we are and allows us to come to him just as we are. So often we think, i got to clean myself up before I go to God. No, you'll never clean yourself up before you go to God. You go to God to get cleaned up. And oh, he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to hurry, Jeremiah 3.13. Jeremiah is preaching to an ungodly people. We've been studying through Lamentations on Wednesday night, and Jeremiah is preaching to them, and he says this in Jeremiah 3.13 only acknowledge thy sin. He says, Looks, things could be different. Your nation could be different. Your city could be different. Your, your homes could be different. Your heart could be different. But it begins only, he says, look, I'm begging you, acknowledge your sin. Just acknowledge it before God. And all oh, when we acknowledge it and confess it before God, look, we unleash all the forgiveness and all of the cleansing power of God. That's when he brings a changed life to our life, but we've got to acknowledge that we need it. The way God's going to give us what we're looking for if we don't acknowledge what we already have. Number two. Want to have a changed life, we acknowledge our life. And finally, he says, ponder, analyze it, see it the way I see it. I see the big picture and I see it honestly. The path of thy feet is the track that you're in, the rut that you're in. God wants you to look at the rut that you're in. It's not the rut that you tell everybody about. It's the rut that the tracks say. Where do your tracks lead? And finally, it says, and let all thy ways be established. So here's what God says. I want you to see you the way I see you. It's not flattering. When I bow before God on Friday morning to pray and to draw closer to God, oh, I did not like confessing before God that I was not all that I needed to be. And, but I did. I did. I say, God, I see myself through your word the way I see myself, and I acknowledge that I'm not who and what I need to be. But notice that's not enough. He says, let all thy ways be established. That simply means let your ways get fixed aright. Fixed right. Look, if your wagon is in a rut this morning, no matter what the rut is, God wants you to get your wagon out of that rut. He wants it to be fixed right. God says, I want your way or your path to be fixed right. Now, notice, He's showing us that we can be right. That's what we ought to be excited about today. You ought to be excited that you can leave here right with God, whether lost or saved. You can leave here right with God. But what's the last thing that needs to be done? It says, And let thy ways be established. Number three, You've got to be willing to adjust your life. He says, let thy ways be established. You see that you're in the rut that God has been seeing you there for a while. You acknowledge that. And then you're willing to make the changes to get out of the rut. Now, the only way to have to change life is to get out of the rut that you're in. The way that we're in, that rut that we're in that we so easily slip off into, why? Because we live in a flesh body. And boy, this flesh body loves the ruts, doesn't it? I mean, it loves everything that's not good for it. The simple choice before us is we're going to choose this today. Look, every person today is going to choose this. You're going to choose the rut life or the right life. Every person here today. You're going to choose to live and ride in that same old rut that you've been in for a while, or you're going to choose to get out of the rut and make the adjustments, and those adjustments are confessing and acknowledging before God that we're not what we need to be and trusting him to make us what we ought to be. We see that in David's life. Oh, David had sinned with Bathsheba. Oh, David was in a rut. The man, listen, who had a heart like God's, he's after God's own heart. He's committed murder and adultery. Oh, he's in a deep rut. Surely God's grace can't reach him there. And he calls out to God and he says, restore unto me. He said, my sin's over my head. David was in a rut so deep he couldn't see out of it. He says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Do you know what he was asking for? He says, God, I need to make an adjustment. I've been riding in a rut. The prodigal says, I will arise and go to my father. He got tired of being in a rut. I'm tired of sitting in this mire and this clay and this thing. I will arise. Do you know why the prodigal son had a changed life? He made the adjustments. He made the adjustments. You know why David went on? Listen, not to have the life he could have had, but boy, it's a whole lot better than the one he was living. He made the adjustments. The woman at the well, she made the adjustments. Now, folks, listen. Having a changed life is just on the other side of whatever adjustments God would have you to make in your life, and I don't know what they are, but I assure you the Holy Spirit's already told you. I'm so thankful that I don't have to know all the adjustments you need to make, and I'm thankful you don't need to know all the adjustments I need to make. You may not think any more of me than you already do, but I'm thankful God lets us make those adjustments. He's faithful and he's just to do what? To let all of our ways be established. How did it happen? They analyzed life, they acknowledged their life, and they adjusted our life. Can I ask you this? What, are you, what rut are you in this morning? What rut are you in this morning? Are you a Christian who has gotten back off into that rut of sin? By the way, look. There's not a soul in here today who hasn't gone back there. Not a soul. We've all been in. Matter of fact, there's not a soul of sinner today who probably won't end up in there again soon. Back and forth, back and forth. Have you gotten back into that rut of sin? Look, you can have a changed life if you're willing to analyze and see your life the way God sees it, acknowledge it toward God in confession, and then make the adjustments. God says, make the adjustments, get out of the rut. I see oftentimes the rut Christians get into is apathy. Apathy, we get in a rut of apathy. Can I ask you this? How long has it been since you cared? How long has it been since you cared about somebody? Well, I'm saved, my family's saved, I've got my fire insurance, but what about everybody else? Are you in the rut of apathy? Make the adjustment. You don't have to stay there. Oftentimes we get in the rut of religion, like the Pharisees. Oh, that's a deep rut to get into. Someone said one time that a rut is just a grave where the ends pushed out. I wish I'd have said it, but I didn't. So I had to give somebody else credit for it. A rut is a grave where the ends pushed out. I hate to tell you this, most Christians will die in some type of a rut. They didn't have to. You could have had a changed life if you're just willing to make the adjustments. Give this quote and I'm done. Someone said once, I could not find the author of this, but boy, what a wonderful life principle. Peace is the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. I read that and it hit home. Peace is the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. Do you know why so many in this room this morning do not have peace? It's because you're riding in a rut. Out of the will of God. That's why you don't have peace. But you could have peace through the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. I've been in this rut of sin, this rut of complacency, this rut of apathy, this rut of religion, whatever rut you're in this morning, maybe even a rut of pride, that's a deep ditch. And you're in that rut of pride, and oh, you want your life to be changed. All you have to be willing to do is deliberately submit your will to God's, and all of a sudden that adjustment gets you out of the ditch, on your way to where God would desire to have you be, and you're going to end up with something you're going to desire to have because you made the adjustments. Can I ask you this morning, every person here today, are you willing to ponder? Are you willing to consider your life the way God sees it? Remember, God sees it rolled out and wait in God sees the big picture of where you've been where you're at and where you're going would you be willing to acknowledge the tracks of your life this morning the tracks of my life are not reflective of someone who's walking with God look swallow your pride we all get there Maybe this morning you've yet to trust Christ and you're riding in that rut of sin. Do you know why you need to see the big picture? You say, well, I'm enjoying it down here. I'm having a good old time in this rut. Me and my buddies are doing all of this, but you don't see the end of the trail. God sees the end of the trail, and if you saw what he saw this morning at the end of the rut that you're on, it's eternal separation from God and hell. You would make the adjustments you need to make this morning. God says, I want you to analyze your life. See it the way I see it acknowledge your life for exactly the way it is, not the way you portray it, and then make the adjustments on your life. Why? So that we could have the changed life this morning. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our pianist is going to come.